Good morning, everybody, and uh, welcome to Greater Alton Church. Good to have you with us today. My name is Tim. It's December. Yay! All right. How many of you got your lights up? That's good. Okay. How many of you are working on it? Oh, well, I hope you get them all done. We're working on the inside of the house now. We're uh, starting a new Christmas series. If you've got a bulletin, you have, you'll notice in your bulletin some notes, as well as uh, a communication card if you'd like to ask uh, for prayers or maybe you're going to make a decision today based on what you're hearing. You can jot that down. We'll take it up after we're done with the lesson. But uh, we're, we're starting a new series called The Songs of Christmas, and we're looking at uh, the Christmas songs we find in the Bible. What's interesting to me is uh, right now you can turn to radio stations and uh, they have Christmas music right now uh, going on all the time. You're going to listen to Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer until your eyes bleed because it's on 24 hours at a time. And um, I've asked myself many times, what is my favorite Christmas song? In fact, uh, getting ready for today's lesson, I thought, oh, why don't I see what the top ten Christmas songs are of all time? And there are hundreds of top ten lists, and none of them are the same if you've ever noticed that. But what is your favorite Christmas song? Think about that for a minute. You know, a lot of people have their very favorite song. Usually in that top ten list, you're going to see White Christmas of some sort. Or you're going to hear uh, something about... Um, Cousin Elizabeth! Um, well, excuse me. Hello, Zachariah. <laughs> How are your studies? Oh. What's up with Zachariah? Well, when the angel told Zachariah that I would become pregnant, he didn't believe it. So his punishment is he cannot speak until the baby's born. It has been so quiet these past six months. I could really get used to it. He hasn't complained about my cooking once. Oh, Elizabeth, I'm so happy for you. But I've actually got some good news of my own. I know. You do? Well, when my baby heard your voice, he leaped for joy. He knows you're carrying the Savior. You're blessed because you believed God when God told you that you would have this child. Unlike some people we know. Do you think that I can stay with you and Zachariah for a while? It's a little awkward at home, seeing as I'm pregnant and I'm not married, if you know what I mean. Of course you can stay. Stay as long as you like. Zachariah won't object. He can't. Oh, thank you, Elizabeth. I'm going to go inside and get a place ready for you. My soul glorifies the Lord, and my heart rejoices for God our Savior, for he has been mindful to his humble servant. From now on, all generations will know me as blessed. I mean, for he has done good things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation, and his mighty deeds have been done with his arms, and he spreads those with pride in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones and has lifted up the humble, for he has fed those who are hungry with good things, and he has sent the rich home empty. For he has helped his servant Israel to remember to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he has promised our ancestors.
I don't know what your favorite Christmas song is, but you just heard the very first Christmas carol ever sung. It was, it was given by Mary nine months before Christmas. And you think Walmart gets up their decorations early. Can you imagine? Can you just imagine for a minute the idea that somebody putting up Christmas lights and decorating their home in March for Christmas? That's what Mary is doing. She is singing this song, and it's an incredible song filled with hope, redemption, the help of God. And one of the things I think is interesting about this is that she has a lot on her mind when she sings this song. Mary does. When you stop and think about it, when you read the account in Luke, you find that this angel named Gabriel appears to her and says, you are highly favored by the Lord. And she is troubled by what she's seeing. After all, an angel is appearing to her. That's never happened to her before. And then this angel Gabriel begins to explain, you're going to give birth to a son. You're going to be pregnant and give birth to a son, and his name is going to be Jesus, and he's going to save the world. And Mary's troubled by this and says, how can this happen? I'm a virgin. I'm not even married yet. She's a kid. Some believe between the ages of maybe 13, 12 or 13 to 17. And she's like, are you sure? You've got the right person. And the angel begins to explain to her how it's going to happen and how she's going to become pregnant through the Holy Spirit of God. So you can imagine Mary must have a lot on her mind as she's hearing this. She's going, wait a second. How is this going to happen? That's how it's going to happen? Will anybody believe me? How's my fiancé going to feel about this? And how, and how do you raise a baby? I mean, here's an angel coming up to me saying, you're going to give birth to God in the flesh and do a good job. You know, and how's that going to work? How, how's this going to play out? You know, uh, what's going to happen? I mean, I'm just a girl and I live in a small town and everybody knows everybody's business in a small town. My reputation could be ruined. And what about my parents? How am I going to explain that? What am I, what's my family going to think? And if I understand Jewish law, I could be stoned over this. So there's a lot on Mary's mind when you stop and think about it. And yet you hear none of those concerns in her song. You don't see Mary worrying. That's the thing I notice. It just kind of leaps out at me. You don't see Mary worrying. I don't know what you're worried about. Christmas is coming. Mary has plenty to worry about. Maybe you've got something you're worried about, something that's troubling you. I hope that from this, as we kick off this series on the songs of Christmas, we'll learn something from Mary. And that is that we should worship God instead of worry. Because that's what Mary's doing here. She isn't worrying. What's she doing? She's worshiping. Look at verses 46 to 47 that we just heard quoted. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. She starts this song with praise. This song has traditionally been called the Magnificent. And it's because in Latin, the word magnify starts this song. And this is Mary magnifying God, praising God. She starts this song with praise. She starts this song with celebration. In other words, she chooses to worship instead of worry. You see, uh, worry is, what a lesson for us. You stop and think about this. Worry is what we focus on that's going on around us. 
Worry, you could say, is kind of like worship. Our focus is on it. Our actions are about it. Whatever it be, a trouble, a problem, whatever's troubling us, it takes up our thoughts, it takes up our energy, it takes up our, our time because we're focused on what's happening around us. Worship's totally different in that sense because like worry, it's focused, but it focuses not on what's happening around us, but what's happening above us. And that's what Mary's doing here. She is focusing on what's happening above her. And isn't that what Christmas is about? It's about a God from above bringing peace to this earth. Bringing peace that's around us, that can be available to each of us. I think I've got on your notes there that my worship brings heaven into everything happening here. That's true. You know, when I worship God, then I bring His character, His power, I bring His wisdom into the circumstance that I'm in. Worry doesn't do that. That's why worry doesn't help you. That's why Jesus taught against it. That's why He's concerned about it. And that's why Mary avoids it. All that stuff happening to her, she knows... Whatever's happening around her, she'll be okay because she's focused on what's happening above her. Look at what David says in Psalms 40 here. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. And like Mary, she has a new song. By the way, it's very similar to Hannah's song found in 2 Samuel. And she is quoting Scripture and quoting parts from that song as she sings out to God. And I pray that as we go through these songs of Christmas, that God will put a new song in your heart as well. He'll give you a reason to sing. He'll give you a reason to praise God. So let's get into this. Five reasons. I want to talk about that this morning. Five reasons you and I can worship God as Christmas approaches. Like I said, it's nine months ahead of Mary, and she gets an early start. First, I can praise God, I can worship God because God is in charge. He really is in charge. I know sometimes you look around the world and you go, I wonder if it's in charge. He's in charge. Mary knows this. Even though she sees things kind of getting kind of weird for her, I don't understand how this is going to work. And I'm not sure what's going to happen to me. Her attitude is, it doesn't matter because God's in charge. Look how she starts her song. My soul glorifies the Lord. Circle Lord. That's a big word. It means the one who's in charge. The one, the CEO, the boss. I got to thinking earlier this week, you know, I I can't, you can't spell life without spelling if. There's so many what ifs in life. So many uncertain, so many uncertain things that, happen to us or are ahead of us in life. I've learned that you know, not only can you not spell life without if, you can't live life without if, without that if factor. It's going to be there. And Mary's got plenty of that going on. What's going to happen to me? What if Joseph leaves me? What if my parents reject me? What if they start picking up rocks? See, the facts are saying that. The facts are saying, I'm poor. I'm unpopular. I'm a kid. 
I'm pregnant in junior high. What's going to happen? What's, what are people going to think? You say, well, did it really happen to, to Mary? I think it did because later in life when Jesus is an adult and he's talking to a group of people, someone in the crowd says, we know who our father is. How about you? That reputation was definitely happened to Mary. And it, it even followed her son. That's what the facts say. The facts will say that about you and I. I don't have a lot on the ball. I've got weaknesses. I've got this trouble. I've got this problem I'm facing. I've got this relationship that isn't doing well. I'm worried about what's going to... What if this happens? What if they do this? But Mary's faith ignores the facts. Her faith says, you are Lord. Her faith says, you are God and you are Lord. You're in charge. Thank God. I praise God. Thank God you're in control. That's why she's able to say when all this goes down, something like this, let it be so. I am your servant. Whatever comes, comes. Because I know you're going to take care of me. Here's, look what uh, David said in Psalms 22. Everyone on this earth will remember you, Lord. It sounds like Christmas. People all over the world will turn and worship you because you are in control, the ruler of all nations. You know, as Christmas gets closer and closer, more and more people are thinking about it. More and more people around the globe. They're thinking about Christmas. They may be thinking about Santa, but there's a significant number of people thinking about Jesus Christ. And what do we remember? What causes the world? What causes you and I to worship God? You are in control. You're the ruler of the nations. As Christmas is approaching for you and I, I don't know what you're worried about. I know what I'm worried about. I know what gets on my mind. Takes up my focus. My focus here rather than focus there. I don't know what trouble you're facing, facing, but I want to encourage you to choose to worship instead of worry. Worship God. And I'm not talking about just singing. There's more going on. You know, Mary's not only worshiped God with her lips, she would sing to God. But, you know, we're benefiting from her sharing her faith. She's also telling others of what's going on. But not only does she worship God with her lips, she worships God with her obedience. She says, I'm your servant. I will do what you want. I'm bringing you into my situation, into my circumstance. That's what worship really is. It's not coming here and forgetting your problems, hanging them out the door, sing a few songs, hear somebody go on and on and on for a while, take some juice and some bread, and then... We go back and pick up like a coat on the coat rack, pick up our problems and... No, we bring them here. I encourage you to bring your problems in here. But most of all, bring, bring God into them. So she says, I'm your servant. And she, then she says, and let it be. Let it happen. As she trusts, she says, I will trust your way in my ways. So that's what worship is happening here. And the first thing she says is, I'm just so glad you're in charge, Lord. 
And I want to say to you this morning, again, I want to encourage you, worship God. Remember, remember and praise your God that He is Lord. He is ruler of all the nations. Nations have come and gone. And he's, He has His way with them. And He has His way with whatever is trying to rule you. He's bigger than that. Look at, I love this in Psalms 94. When I worried about many things, David says, your assuring words soothed my soul. You know, Mary isn't considered to be a very, uh, she can't read. A lot of people believe she can't read. Yet she is quoting Second Samuel and many of the Psalms in this song. What is she saying to us this morning? I'm letting the Word of God give me confidence. I'm going I'm to latch on to what God says to bring me peace when there's turmoil in my world. So that's the first thing. I can praise, I can worship God and not worry because God is in charge. Second reason I can worship God and not worry is because God saves. Praise God, He saves. My spirit rejoices, she says, and my God, my Savior, saves me. I don't know how you are, if you've got kids, but just go back a few months or maybe some years and and your, you know, your wife is carrying this baby, and I'm just trying to imagine here. You know, Denise and I are at Target, let's say, and we're walking along, and she's pregnant, and we're looking at baby clothes. And let's say somebody walked up to me, and he was a prophet or something. He said, "Listen, you're going to have a son." I am. Yes. We didn't. We didn't even know. We didn't do the balloon thing or the, the fate, you know, pink or blue. We we didn't know he's going to have a son, and he's going to become president of the United States. Are you kidding me? No, and nothing you can do can stop it. It can't be stopped. It's a lock. It's locked in. Imagine you're, you're sitting around, or you're in a restaurant. Somebody walks up to you and says, your child, your, your son or daughter, is going to cure a major disease in this world. And you can screw up as parents. It won't stop it from happening. Well, the pressure's off. Okay, that's good. Okay, yeah, thanks. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, thank you. The pressure's off, and, and you're go- he's going to cure cancer, or she's going to invent something that's going to change the world like you've never seen. And how are you going to feel when they walk away? And it's true. Let's say it's true. Help me here. It's true. It's locked in no matter what happens. Well, you know, I, I can just see it now. There's Nathan going, State of the Union. My fellow Americans. Hi, Dad. Ding, 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 ding. Right? Your daughter just cured cancer. Ding, 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 ding. The buttons are popping. You're dodging buttons. Why? Because you're so proud. You know, it'd make you walk with a little swag. Am I right? You're going you're gonna to be going, Hey, how you going, buddy? Mary has none of that. Mary doesn't do that at all. Listen, Mary doesn't seek to be worshipped. She doesn't seek it. She doesn't. She, all she says, uh, generations will say I'm blessed. What are they saying? Generations will say God was good to me. Not we worship her. That's what I'm. That's what I'll be known for. And by the way, what's what's she saying? She's more interested in magnifying God than getting anything from it magnifying herself or any credit. See, she knows she's helpless. Listen, she's a sinner. 
She's just like you and me. She's not perfect. She's not Mary Poppins. She's a sinner, and she knows it. Why do you know that? Because she says, I praise, my soul glorifies the Lord. And then she says, my spirit, down deep inside, my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. I need a Savior, Tim. You need a Savior? Because sometimes we carry ourselves like we don't really need a lot of help. Sometimes we carry ourselves like, I'm doing pretty good now, God, I got it. I'm not like somebody else. You may want to go help them. I'm starting to get it together. Forgetting that we're sinners. Forgetting that we're helpless. You want to know, you ever wonder how, if you ever want to need a reminder of how helpless you are, get sick. And have a fail, epic fail. You know, Danny and I, my brother and I have 30 years of experience putting in windshields. Each of us have 30 years of experience. This guy calls up, we've got a Chevy pickup, would you like to put it in? What year is it? It's a 69. So I go, yeah, I've done those. No problem. Are you sure you know how to do those? Yeah, I know how to do those. You got the chrome in them? Yeah, I've done it. Done it. I've lost count. I got gray hair. You've called the right place. We walked away from the job. After two hours, I'm sitting there like this. Nanny, I feel like a failure. He goes, I feel great. Don't have to have work on that headache. We tried to put that glass in three different times. Failure will make you realize how helpless you are. Even a silly windshield. You say something, you do something, you get a phone call, you mess up, you're late for this, you don't show up. They all say, you don't have it all together, pal. You're a sinner. You need help. You need some, you need some help from somebody. And Mary says, I know that. I'm a kid and I figured that out. I need a Savior. I love, look at these two passages from David. Also another guy that was after God's own heart, but he wasn't perfect either. Lord, you are my light and my Savior. There's two people right there in the Bible that say, you are my Savior. Is he your Savior? Do you depend on him? Remember Greg Chappell one time telling me about as a lifeguard when someone's drowning, that when you go out to save them, you're trying to save them and they're flaying at you, you know, and trying to grab it. Don't, don't tread water, Tim. Why? If you go out and try to save them, they'll grab a hold of you so tight, you'll both die. So what do you do? You sit there and say, calm down, calm down. Stop, stop doing that. Stop doing that. Listen to me. Just lay back. You're going to have to lay back. Stop doing anything or I can't save you. Because as soon as they quit, then you're able to grab them and take them to shore. I need a Savior, and we're fighting Jesus right and left. We fight Him off. We fight off His help. Not Mary, not David. He's my Savior, and that means I surrender. And He says here, so why should I be afraid of anyone? Look at that. Because He's my Savior, i got nothing to worry about. When I was in high school, I weighed 98 pounds. As a freshman, 98 pounds. Skin and bones. There's always in a comic book, the 98-pound weakling. And they could have put my picture right there beside the Charles Atlas guy that's got the muscles, you know. And people would say, man, Tim, you don't have no chest. Because my chest, I had one guy say, your chest is caved in. You know, you're hearing this as a teenager, you know. It's just, and I just remember 98, 98 pounds, weakling. Didn't, didn't have a lot on the ball. And I just remember 
uh, nobody would pick me. Nobody would choose me. We don't play football. I went out for football. Weighed 98 pounds. The water boy was heavier than me. What am I doing out there? I went out for band. Played trombone. Here I am in my band uniform. You're 98 pounds. Wearing a band uniform. Halftime. Football. And here comes Kenny Bryant. His, his wrist is bigger than my leg. He's just a big guy. Long hair. Denim. That's how you know they're tough. In the 70s, they're wearing denim. You know, smells like cigarettes. Hey, Gio. He didn't say Gil. Gio. Hey, Gio. Come over here. He always picked on me. I remember walking up to him. Here we go. He's going to punch me, hit me, slap me, do something. And he goes, let me tell you something. Okay, what is it, Kenny? First of all, how you doing? Everything okay? Is suit fitting okay? And I go, huh? Is everything all right? Everything's fine. Why? Well, it's playing well. Bye. And he leaves. I'm going. And I turn around. And guess who's standing behind me? My older brother, Mike. I needed Savior. And my hero had my back. You need a Savior. We're all 98 pounds, folks. I know the body may fool you, but we're really just 98 pounds, man. We don't have a lot of the ball. He says, why should I be afraid of anyone? He really shouldn't be because he has the Lord as his Savior. Then he says, the Lord is where my life is safe, so how will I be afraid of, uh, so I won't be afraid of no one. Then he says, look here, Psalms 25, lead me by your truth and teach me, for you are the God who saves me. All day long. I put my hope on you. What's he saying? All day long, I worship you. I'm not just singing to you. I put my trust and my hope and I, in you, and I bring you down into everything that I'm dealing with. You're in charge. Number two, I can stop worrying and start worshiping because God not only saves, he, He's in charge and He saves. It's because I matter to Him too. Mary isn't used to a lot of attention. In her culture, she's a kid. You know, right now, there's a lot of grandparents spoiling their kids. I are one of them, her grandkids. We got so much Christmas stuff, you know, and Denise buys like four years in advance sometimes. Buys stuff that's out of date. Tickle me Elmo is miserable Elmo by the time our kids, you know, get one, you know. But here we are, we're all having our fun, you know, and, and we, and here's our grandkids and we, when I was a kid, we didn't get a lot of attention. In Mary's day, no attention. Not like that. No people would walk by her. She was poor. She was from a little town called Nazareth, which was just a little insignificant speck on the map in Israel. So you can imagine her surprise that God notices her. That God looks at her. She's humbled by it. And she's so excited about it. Look what she says. After she says, I praise the Lord. I praise Him because He's my Savior. For He took notice of His lowly servant girl. will not you circle took notice? For He took notice of His lowly servant girl. And from now on, generations will call me 
blessed. What is she saying? God, you're not like all the others. You noticed me. And it's funny, the Greek word here, the Greek language behind this, you took notice of me. This, what is that, what's that really about? And if you look at other translations, go to Bible Gateway, and you'll read other translations. It says, you noticed me with favor. You noticed me with mercy. You looked at me with your favor. It literally means to, to see someone and like them. You think God likes you? I know He loves me. <laughs> yeah. But does He like you? I want you to know He likes you. To look at somebody, you ever looked at somebody that has favor towards you? They grin. Their eyebrows are up. They might even nod their head a little bit. You know they're for you. You know they're, they're for you. They're giving you mercy and favor. You don't deserve it. You've been an idiot at times, and still they just... You know, it's just they're just so wonderful to you. See, this is one of the reasons Mary is worshiping God. You noticed me when no one else did. And you're saying that I matter when no one else will. You see, she doesn't, she doesn't start this song by complaining about what's going to happen to her, like her reputation or her body's going to change, or complain that she doesn't have the money, the finances to take care of a child, or, or what's Joseph going to do, or what's the parents or the grandparents going to think, what's the town going to think. You know why she doesn't bring that up? Because she already knows that God knows. Already knows that. And still, I matter? My parents don't even know this has happened yet. You already know. It's your part of your plan. And you, you, you take notice of me. She's humbled by it. God knows everything about you. He knows everything about you. He knows your strengths and your weaknesses. He knows what excites you and what depresses you. He knows what you like and what you don't like. But He also knows what you've said behind people's backs, what you've done when no one was looking. He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. Where'd that come from? Santa? No, Santa doesn't. And he's not really able to do that. If you've got a small child, too bad. Spoiler alert here. He, he doesn't see you when you God does. Praise God He does. Praise God that you matter so much that He's interested in you. You have His attention. You ever try to get somebody's attention? Times you look at me, look at me. I have this happen to me every Sunday in the, in the small dome. People are talking to me and I'm looking around. Not with God. You've got His full attention. And He knows everything about you. And He favors you. I love Psalms 139. This is in, called the Praise Translation. The TPT. The Praise Translation. Lord, You know everything there is to know about me. You perceive every moment of my heart and soul. You understand my every thought before it even enters my mind. You are so intimately aware of me. What's he saying? You're so interested in me. You're so mindful of me. Lord, you read my heart like an open book and you know all the words I'm about to speak before I start a sentence. You can finish my sentences. 
You know every step I'll take before my journey even begins. You know what I'm going to do. You ever been so close to somebody you can finish their sentence or I know what they're going to do. Because what do you think he's going to do? What do you think she's going to do? I know. How do you know? Because I'm their best friend. And I've watched and watched and I know everything about what he's going to do, what she's going to do. You've gone into my... Look at this. Here's what God's advantage here. You've gone into my future to prepare the way and in kindness, there's that favor, you follow behind me to spare me from the harm of the past. With your hand of love, there's that favor again, with your hand of love upon my life, you impart a blessing to me. Isn't that what Mary said? I'll be blessed. Generations will call me blessed. Why? Because I have God's favor. Because I matter to God. And we're still talking about her. How God blessed her life, aren't we? This is too wonderful, deep and incomprehensible. Your understanding of me brings me wonder and strength. It blows my mind and it builds me up that you get me. I must matter that much. And look, look again. Look what Mary says here in Luke 1. His mercy, and I think, would that be His favor as well? Sure. Extends, circle extends. See, it extends. It's not just for her. Not just for David. Not for her family. But for you and your family. It extends to those who fear Him from generation to generation. And so from generation to generation, God says, you matter. And to your generation, to you personally, He says, you matter to me. Why not worship Him just for that? He's so focused on me, the least I can do is focus on Him. Number four, I can quit worrying and worship God because God is powerful. He is powerful. He is powerful. Powerful. I don't know if I believe that. I struggle believing that because I see my problems and they appear powerful. How do I know? How do you know that, Tim? Because they push me around. They're so powerful that I think of them and look at them and watch them all the time. I fret over them. I can't sleep over them. I wouldn't, I wouldn't lose sleep over something weak. i got lots of dogs in my neighborhood. They bark all night. I made the mistake last night. It's full moon last night. I made the mistake of yelling, Shut up! to my neighbor's dogs. Three more chided in. I lost sleep over these guys. Now, why don't I just go over to the yard and just hit them or, you know, tell them off? Because they're big dogs. Now, if they were little chihuahuas or little bitty things, I wouldn't, or they were, you know, old beagles and they have no teeth, you know, and they're gray and they're about to die, I wouldn't worry about those. Why? Because they're weak. But powerful things I worry about. I focus on powerful things. Now, if I'm focused on my... Listen, just think about this for a second. If I'm focused on my problems and they, because they're so powerful and I'm not worshiping God while I'm dealing with this stuff, do I believe God is powerful? Am I focused on the 
if power gets my attention and I'm not focusing on God in this, do I really believe he's powerful? Does that make sense? I hate that point. And Mary says, you ought to know this. If we're going to start off a Christmas carol, let's sing one that's got something that you need to know. And that is that God is powerful. See, not all, by the way, not all Christmas songs are big hits. Uh, 2007, Billy Joel came out with a Christmas song called Christmas in Fallujah. It did not rest very well. Uh, in fact, uh, Armed Forces Radio and the Pentagon Channel refused to play it. It's too controversial. He said, I want, to, I want people to know what I'm thinking. People need to know what's going on in Iraq. And, and it, was, it was considered an anti-war song. A Christmas song. Anti-war song. And so, and so the Armed Forces Radio refused to play it because they feared it would hurt morale. Well, what's that got to do with Mary's song? Well, E. Stanley Jones, a Christian author and preacher, once said this, that this song of Mary is the most revolutionary document in the history of the world. What? William Temple, Archbishop of Canterbury, instructed missionaries to poverty-stricken India to never read this song in public because it would incite riots in the streets. Come on. It's a little girl singing a song. Harmless little girl. She's, she's crying out loud. She's 12 or 13. Comes from a no, no place, nowhere. Doesn't even have any money. She's, she is the value of a cow. Let me read the words. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. There's his power. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. What? He scatters the proud. He faces and busts out the proud. That's a moral revolution. You know what I'm saying? He deals with people's values. And he doesn't just rush up against them. He busts them. He scatters the proud. He has brought down rulers from their thrones and has lifted up the humble. What? He's gonna, there's going to be a coup. He's going to bust thrones up. You read the Scriptures, read people like Nebuchadnezzar who got the big head and what did God do to him? Took him down a couple notches, didn't he? Ryan... Uh, was telling me, Ryan Donahue, about a passage in Second Chronicles 26 about Uzziah, who it says his pride, in his pride, began to think he could do whatever he wanted, began to offer sacrifice in the temple, and God brought him down. And we've seen nations come and go, haven't we? If you read history, you see where nations have come and gone. And, and here, Mary says, He has brought down rulers from their thrones, and He lifts up the humble, the, one, the have-nots, will now be lifted up and the halves will be torn down. That, folks, is social revolution. Then you got, He has filled the hungry with good things, but He sent away the rich empty. They got nothing. The rich have everything. Not anymore. When He can, He has changed that. That's economic revolution. And she speaks as if it's already happened. Had you noticed how Look how many... He has us are in there. 
He has performed. He has scattered. He has brought down. Has lifted up. Has filled. It's like seven hases in here. You talk like it's already happened. Are you telling me? He's so powerful, it's over before it begins? Yes. Mary, you're going to get in trouble talking like that. It's already happened. Nine months before Christmas? Yeah. Just Him inside me. He's changed everything. But wait a minute. The proud are still boasting. Are they still boasting today? Absolutely. Is it Caesar on the throne? He's still on the throne. There's still bad guys on thrones. That's true. Yeah. And is it poverty everywhere? And aren't the pockets of the rich still full? Yes, I know. But when this baby comes to him, that's all going to change. And see, you think about the kingdom of God, folks. In God's kingdom, it's nothing like America's kingdom. I want you to think about this because we all have this virus. I listen. I watch. I watch SNL. You can talk to me later about why. One of the benefits of watching SNL is you see what sometimes what the culture's doing. And I listened to you two last night do an anti, an anti-American song. You are rock and roll. And I mean, they are. I'm still trying to process the message in that song. And it's talked it talk about the rich. Is, you know, it uses the language of the Beatitudes at the beginning of the rich and the powerful. That it's the American dream. Jesus says, my dream is totally different than that. You want to be powerful and great? Don't swagger around like you got, you're in charge. You be a servant like I'm in charge. I'll tell you something else. We're going to change the way it is, the, the way it, the way it is uh, morally. You're not going to walk around with a big head or with sin in your life anymore. You're not going to live like that. We're going to deal with that and we're going to go the other way. We're going to be pure people, godly people. You're not going to be so selfish. Think about yourselves all the time. No, it's, this is totally different. The poor, you're making money to help others, not to keep it. For yourself. You've got the job you've got so you can be a blessing to others. That's how it is. And that's my dream in the kingdom of God. And he isn't even out of the womb. Are you that powerful? I changed it all, Tim. I changed it all as soon as I was conceived. Mary knew it. And she sings as if it's already been done. And then she says this. Not only are you going to change the world, then she says this. For the Mighty One has done great things for me. She makes it personal. She wants you to know. Not only will God change your world, but He really is going to change you. He's going to do great things for you. Boy, I tell you, that's... The same God who takes down the proud. The same God who topples thrones. The same God who fills the hungry. The same God that scatters the proud. You're telling me that sets things right will do something for me? Yeah, He wants to work 
powerfully in me, in you. He wants to change your history. What are you trying to say, Tim? Well, let me tell you what I think Mary's trying to say when she says the Mighty One has done great things for me. As if it's already happened. She hasn't even, she hasn't even got out of the gate. And she says, it's already took care of. It's all going to work out for good. God is that powerful. Is God that powerful to you? Is God that powerful to you? Because see, when I'm worried, these things seem so much bigger than that. Than the Lord. He's bigger than your biggest problem. Stronger than your stronghold. He's more mighty than the mess you've made of things. That's not just preacher cliches, folks. That's true. But do I believe this? And I just see a connection here. Mary believes God is mighty, so she's worshiping God, and then God's able to do great things. It's almost like she's opened up this this channel of power from heaven into everything around her. What are you trying to say, Tim? I'm not, if I've got problems and I'm not dealing with I'm not overcoming them, I'm not worshiping God? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you could worship a little, and guess what? You'll get a little power. I know, how do I know that? Well, I'll say I know it in my life. When I worry a lot, my problems do a lot. And whenever I have those moments where I say, Lord, I'm, not, I'm just going to give these to you. I'm going to trust your direction. What do I do with this problem? You want me to do what? Like Mary, would you explain how that's going to work? I may not be a virgin, but I'm a virgin when it comes to handling this problem like that. I've never done it like that before. See, all of a sudden, God unleashes mighty power in that situation. That's what I've learned in my life. See, worry won't do this. Worry doesn't unleash God's power. Why not? It's idolatry. When you stop and think about it, worry and worship are both focus. It's a focus. It's depending on what I'm focusing on. And if I'm focused on all the junk that's happening around me and and looking for stuff around me to fix the junk that's around Guess what? It's, it's just, I've let that become too powerful in my life. That is, it doesn't deserve that kind of power in my life. There's only one source of power that really deserves to be worshipped. Worry. Worship. Worry. Like that. That's the Lord. That's what I see. That helps me. I hope it helps you. I can quit worrying and worship God because God is powerful. I'm finding out as I'm discovering this, and I'm I'm still learning. There's a lot of virginity in this in me. I've learned this. Whenever I start focusing on God, the problems get manageable. I'll say another way: they become manageable. They probably finally 
are the size they're supposed to be. There you go. What's number five, Tim? I can quit worrying and worship God because God will keep His Word. I read this. I don't know if it's true. 2,000 years had passed from Abraham's promise to Mary. I thought that was interesting. I don't know if that's true or not. What I, what, what I was... The true part is whether it's 2,000 years. What I do know is it was a long time. <laughs> I know that. Okay, A long time from when the promise was given to when it was fulfilled. And look, I don't, weird. You know, there's some sentences and songs you go, now why is that there? My brother and I were, were having fun with the Grinch. You're a scoundrel, Mr. Grinch. We were thinking up of other verses. And my brother came up with this one. You're a gym bag, Mr. Grinch. I thought that was hilarious. What a crazy... I laughed my head off until, until my battery almost ran dry. I was going, Danny, that's a... You're full of moldy socks, you know. Why is that verse in there? Wait, what is it? Is it? I wouldn't touch you with a 39 and a half foot pole. I'm like, what are these verses in there for? What are they trying to say? The, the Grinch is bad. Yeah, I get it. But this one here. Look at this verse here in her song. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful. There's favor again. To Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Ancestors. She's finishing up this song with, he, he makes good his promise. Why are you mentioning Abraham? Why are you mentioning Israel? That's so long ago. I mention him because that's where the promise started. Galatians 3, 8, 9. God promised this good news to Abraham long ago. I love that. Long ago. You in a hurry for God to fulfill His promise? Let me tell you the right answer. Yeah. I am. Hurry up. Go. Why are you waiting so long? Tim says you keep your word. Well, I'm still waiting. And Well, it's natural, I guess, because that's the way God is. God promised His, this good news to Abraham long ago when He said, all nations will be blessed through you. And so it is. All who put their faith in Christ share the same blessing Abraham received because of his faith. And Mary wants you to know he kept God kept his promise to Abraham and he keeps his promises to you. Jesus is coming, Abraham. Jesus is coming. He'll inherit everything. And he's coming. And he wants you to know he has come. He is coming. He comes to save. So you can be sure. If he kept that promise, I got to thinking about this. That's a difficult promise to keep. Would you agree? One of these days, the Messiah is going to come from your family. That's a difficult promise to keep because there was a lot of moments where people could have been killed off and it was over. We were at, uh, we went to the Christmas lights and um, uh, the, what's this play, the golf course out there, you know, Rock Springs in Alton and a bunch of us did. And so we're in the van and we go to Santa's house. And nobody's there but Santa and two elves. Okay, and Carmody walks up. Meyer's like, I don't know about this guy. The photo is Meyer's going, who are you again? I don't know about you. Carmody's like, I don't know. And Daddy and Mommy are talking. Finally, she walks out and goes, 
And this guy has the real beard. He looks just like Santa. Up on the knee. And what would you like for Christmas? And she goes, I would like a bunch of Santas, Santa. And she even looks at us like, that is what I, why did I say that? You know, it's okay. I says, so what did you want again? I don't understand. She, Santa looks at Matt and Brian. I don't, I don't understand what she's saying. Give her another shot at it. What do you want for Christmas? She goes, Santa. She finally relaxes. I'd just like some Legos, please. And he goes, oh. Where did you learn all these beautiful manners you have? From mommy. Matt's over there going. <laughs> and then, and then uh, he says, well, he looks at Matt and Brynn. I think I can do that. Right? I think I can. And Matt and Brynn are going. <laughs> easy. That's easy to fulfill. Go to Walmart, pick up some Legos. Bada bing, bada boom. You're done. But to fulfill this promise here, this is hard. He's going to bless all nations. He's going to save people. And here comes Jesus, born, and already trying to kill Him. And somehow, somehow, from some way, He wiggles through that just fine. Right? Power. Grows up. Starts preaching. I don't like this guy. I want him dead. I need to. Let's figure out a way to kill this guy. And they crucify him. Now, I don't know about you, but here's mom watching this. How's this fulfilling a promise? Usually parents want to be the first to go, not the kids. No parent wants to see their kids go. What? I'll never forget the, the face of Mary and the passion when she looks at the camera, looking right in your eyes as the camera backs off and says, Basically, says, look what you've done. Look what you've done to my son. And so here, it doesn't look like it's working out. But then this tomb becomes empty. He fulfilled his promise. And he promises, I've heard there's 3,000 promises in the Bible. Everybody's got a number. I know there's a bunch of them. And folks, He promises to take care of you if you seek His kingdom first. He'll take care of you. He promises to always love you. He promises to provide for you. He promises to shelter you. He promises to forgive you because you matter. And He was able to do that. He was able to keep that promise because of Jesus, because of Christmas. I don't know what you're facing this morning. I don't know what's going on. I know there's plenty of drama. Mary had it. She had lots of drama in her life. And how'd she handle that drama? She met it with worship. She devoted herself to worship God and said, God, I want to bring you into this because I don't know how to handle this. I'm poor. I'm helpless. I'm your servant, girl. So use me. Tell me what you want to do. Well, how do I handle this? This is new to me. I've never been pregnant before. This is new to me. Rejection is new to me. I've never been noticed. I'll be high profile. This is new to me. How do I deal in this relationship? You might be asking. This is new to me. I don't know how to deal with this difficulty. Lord, tell me what to do. Well, you've never done this before. You're going to have to try it this way. 
Let it be as, as it is. Let it be, let it be so. I am your servant. That's what worship is. It's just saying, God, you're my God. And I bring you into everything. Everything. I just don't bring you to church. I just don't see a church. I see you at home. I see you at the workplace. I see you everywhere I go. Where do you need to be worshiping God as Christmas approaches? You have a card in your bulletin and we're going to give you a chance to fill that card out as we sing a, as we sing a song. I'm going to pray and we'll let you fill out those cards. Then we'll sing another song. We'll collect all those cards up and if you're a guest here, we want you to know we're going to, we're going to collect our contribution. Our members are going to contribute. You are under no obligation uh, to contribute. If you want to, we'll use it. We'll use it for ministry. Well, we're going to do that, give you a chance to do that, and then we'll sing a final song and let you go. Okay? Let's pray. Father, thank you so very much for, for Christmas music. Father, I think about some of the I remember singing as a kid, Must Be Santa, Must Be Santa. I remember singing as a kid, Silent Night. I, I can't help what every time I hear certain songs, certain renditions of White Christmas, I think of Home Alone. Father, I just think about how all these songs, these Christmas songs, our favorites trigger a memory of some sort. That's why they're our favorites. Father, we're looking at a song I've never thought of before. Man, it's, it's quickly going up the chart in my heart. I pray it'll go up the chart in our hearts. Father, instead of worrying so much, would you help us, help us worship? Father, we're just going to decide we're going to worship and worry less because you are in charge. And boy, howdy, do we need help Thank you for being a God that saves. God, thank you for noticing. You're so interested in us. Father, I don't think I've even touched the hem of the garment here of how interested you are in each of us. We like to think, well, God, you're interested in the high-profile people, but you're interested in the low-profile people. Father, whether we think of ourselves highly or low, help us see that that we matter to you so much that you want to choose us and use us to sing this Christmas carol. Father, I just I am humbled and shamed sometimes just how powerless I've made you to be. I've let I've let bills and friendships. I've let TV. I've let what people think become more powerful than you really are. It's kept you from working. Father, I know all of us here can think of things that have way too much power in our lives. Our job. car, a person, a house. Oh God, help us tap into your power. We will never find it looking around. We know it only comes from looking up. Help us make that conscious decision to bring you 
into everything we think, every situation we're in, everywhere we go. And Lord, thank you for keeping your word. We know you promised to be with us everywhere we go, to take care of us, to love us. So we, Father, we're finding ourselves already worshiping you. Let us carry it out these doors. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.